temperature test him. He's been hot. Can you believe it? Eddie's back. All hail Eddie. What about this from ball inside? 50 Cottrell. From nowhere. Cottrell from 45 directly in front. The Blues are up by Kiki Fabulous. Have a look at him. Back there for Cripps. Spins out of traffic. Through one. Pass another. Jones his class. Gets it back from Betts. And welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. It is your host, Jed Zetzer here, alongside my good friend and co-host, Harrison Hyman's Bolt. What a win, mate. Hey, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Um, wasn't the prettiest four-quarter performance from us, but it was probably the most beautiful result of the season, I'd say. Um, a win, you know, Collingwood almost did a Carlton. They collapsed in the last quarter from a winnable position. And... Oh, we were brilliant. You know, we turned up when it mattered. You know, we always kept them in arm's reach and we pounced. We we swarmed, we attacked. You know, very rare you see six goal to zero last quarter in our favour. So, oh, just just beautiful. They oh, Just nothing better on your Sunday in lockdown. Mate, it was absolutely fantastic. Just quickly, um, for those listening, we are doing this over Zoom. Um, Bolt and I weren't able to meet due to the lockdown, but... Uh, we are still doing this over Zoom, so I hope the audio goes okay. But Bolt, let's get straight into it. You spoke about how good that last quarter was. Can we just? I don't even know where to start here. I think there's only one place that it feels comfortable starting with, and that is Jack Silvani, because it yep. was a big week for his family, um, a legend of our football club, and a great human being. Serge Silvani unfortunately passed away, and it was. It was, you just felt like the whole way today unfolded was just fitting to celebrate a marvellous person's life. Yeah, for sure. You know, Carlson team of the century, it's a legendary family and Jack Silvani can be very, very proud of his performance because to be honest, he was our most dominant ruck on the day, Silvani. He was phenomenal. You know, Grundy was almost the most influential player to halftime and he was barely sided thereafter. Silvani hit the scoreboard with a big, big goal. He was just, that was in the second quarter, and he just had a presence around the ground sauce. He he made things, he just made things happen. His last quarter was just brilliant. It was brilliant. It really summed us up. And, you know, the emotion he showed after the game was, was also, you know, as sad as it is, it was really nice to see just, I guess, how much the win probably meant to him given the week he's had. So... It was just great scenes of sauce. And, you know, that's Carlson in your blood. Mate, it absolutely is. He took three contested marks and he was so good in the air. There were a lot of moments where he didn't, he didn't necessarily mark the ball, but he spoiled it and stopped the Collingwood player from marking the ball. Um, he took seven marks on the day. He had six inside 50s, uh, four score involvements, and he had 15 disposals at 86% efficiency. So... He was absolutely marvellous. Um, just 
it, it was I, I think it was almost almost his best performance in the navy blue. Yeah, it was definitely. Oh, it was probably the. It's probably. You know, it's probably one of the only times he's ever had an influence on a game which has affected a winning result. He was very good against Melbourne in 2019 where we lost, but he was just superb, Silvani. He really, you know, when the going, he when we went to war in the last quarter, he he was just, he was there. He was just brilliant. I can't believe he literally, he killed Brody Grundy in the last quarter. It's just crazy to think about, isn't it? Crazy. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I think, look, we've been calling for it for a while to have the one Ruckman in De Koning and then a pinch hitter. Um, and I mean, as probably, uh, I don't even know what the word is, but I mean, De Koning hasn't been what we thought he would be. Um, He's just looked exhausted. And I think De Koning, you know, struggled a little bit again today. But, you know, I think, you know, the fact that we saw Silvani competently provide really good Ruck relief as makeshift as it is, it's a better option than Pitten and Casbolt. It is, it is. And I think the word for De Koning I was looking for was probably underwhelming. Considering how good he was last yeah. year, I think we all just expected him to come in and have an amazing yeah. impact. He's still very young. He's very raw. He's coming back from a serious injury. So it's probably fair to cut him some slack. But, um, oh, for sure. but yeah, I mean, Silvani came in. He's just had an unbelievable game. And he's... Look. Yeah. De Conning's played 17 games. It's very hard to expect a Ruckman to, you know, I guess perform, let alone perform solo in the Ruck. So it is a tough gig, but I guess that's just the reality of the Carlson Ruck stocks at the moment. But yeah, he has been underwhelming, but yeah, it was just great, you know, that we can really shut down one of the premier Ruckman in the competition because he was scary in the first half, Grundy. He was, yeah, he well, was like yeah. running and carrying with the footy. Yeah, he was playing like a midfielder, mate. He was absolutely playing like a midfielder. He was hitting up forwards inside 50. Um, yeah, I know. Let's talk about the monster because there is a monster at Icon Park, SW18, Sam Walsh. <laughs> yes. Now, he had 39 volts at, <laughs> at 80% efficiency. He kicked the goal of the day, which was just, as Bruce McAvaney would have called it, delicious. Um, and he's just, he's had six score involvements, the nine marks, five tackles, five clearances, two inside 50s and two rebound 50s. So that is the complete performance and another three Brownlow votes. I think that's four games in a row. He's going to collect three Brownlow votes. Um, we'll speak about that night shortly, but this guy is... He's an animal. He's he's probably he's probably the best young talent. Like the competition has seen perform so consistently this early since Chris Judd. I think I've said that on the podcast before. But today was just, you know, no Paddy Cripps by his side. It was a one man band, you know, for most of the first half, and you know, a couple of other midfielders contributed really well. But he was just absolutely incredible. Like, oh my god. Uh, there's no, it's hard to describe Sam Walsh. Uh, the goal he kicked was just stupid as well. And then I think he followed it up with a clearance out of the middle and straight down the throat of Harry Mackay. He, uh, Jed, uh, I've never seen a player like this. I really haven't. How? As in, this guy's going to be playing in our midfield for the next 15 years. 
And it's actually scary to think what he's going to do. Uh, it's scary. Who do you think, and this is a hard question, but it's a question I'm going to put to you on the spot. Who do you think has shown this much promise this early in their career in recent years? And I know you mentioned Judd, but I mean, we've seen the likes of Cripps and Bonson Pelly, uh, those two specifically shine early in their career. Um, there's been obviously some guns who have come through a bit later, but in terms of their first three years, has, have we seen anyone this good in recent years? So we've probably, Bonson Pelly was probably at a very similar level by his third year. But Walsh's first two, like across the first 56 or 57 games of those two careers, Walsh's is just, I, I no one comes to mind to be as consistently dominant, you know, for the entirety of their first 50-odd games than Sam Walsh. You know, Bonson Pelly had a premiership in a BNF by the end of his third year. So Bonson Pelly was probably at a very similar standard. But across, I've just, he hit the ground. It's just crazy. Sam Walsh is going to finish his first three seasons at AFL level coming fourth, second, and first in the best and fairest. He should be an All-Australian. He's a very good chance of winning the Coaches Association medal, and he's a very good chance of winning the Brownlow. It's just... It's crazy when you put it like that, mate. Anyone the, anyone, the rising, anyone the rising star. He's just one of the most phenomenal... Like, Even if like, the most vile hater of Carlton couldn't even hate Sam Walsh, you've got to appreciate... like. These people. He's just, it's well, unbelievable. Hey, hang on. One of our best mates who's a massive Collingwood fan even messaged us today to say, I just love him. Oh, how can you not? He's just superb and he bleeds navy blue. We all saw the reaction after he kicked that goal in the last quarter. He's just phenomenal. I, I, I can't see a flaw in Sam Walsh's game right now. He is just so on top of his game. He can, he, he he's just so in the zone. Like, it's crazy. As in, we're so lucky to have someone like Sam Walsh. Yep, we are. We absolutely are. Now, we came into the day severely undermanned in the midfield because we lost the skipper, Patrick Cripps. And I think we feared it because, you know, you look at the Collingwood midfield with the likes of Grundy, Sidebottom, Pendlebury, Degoe Adams, you know, these, you know, that reads quite well. They've got a bit of depth there. And you look at that and you go, well, how are we meant to match it with Crips out and with, you know, all these injuries that we've got? And the second tier midfield has just shone through today. I thought Matthew Kennedy was outstanding. I thought he was yeah. brilliant and, and has put together a remarkable month, which I'm going to say has completely saved his career. He's going to get a new deal. Yeah, I, I thought he was clearly our second best player behind Walsh Kennedy. Kennedy was very good from the get-go today as well. You know, he he was superb. He's a, he's a marking option down the line. He's a really good exit kick for us. Kicked a banging goal in the, in the was it the third quarter as well? It was at a um, big moment. It, it, you know when it was? Collingwood kicked a goal to go three goals up and he kicked it 30 seconds later was the instant reply. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was after side bottom ran into an open goal. Kennedy was superb. Um, and yeah, he has played himself into a new contract. There's no doubt about it. We needed, rather than one-off performances from him, we needed a consistent patch. And I think, you know, I guess us included had his papers stamped. And he has gone to, I guess, show the Carlton faithful that most of us, not everyone, but most of us were wrong. And he will be there next year for sure. He's, you know, fully, he probably is fully deserving of a contract. 
He had 28 possessions at 70%, five score involvements. We spoke about that goal he kicked, seven marks, seven tackles, six clearances and six inside 50s. That That is just, he has just smashed the stat sheet. He was brilliant. He really was brilliant today, Kennedy. Just, he was really reliable. You could really, he was just great. And I guess we were undermanned in the midfield. Um, you know, and even, you know, Dow had a really, really good first quarter. Um, he was a bit quiet thereafter. He was okay, he was okay, but I guess Dow, like, I don't think he'll ever be the greatest. Um, I don't think he'll ever be, I know he will never be the greatest, you know, user of the footy, but his greatest strength, which he's probably been starting to utilize over the last three to four weeks, is the way he can evade and get into space pretty easily. Um, he kind of waltzes out of packs a little bit, but you know, Dow. Yeah, Dow's first quarter was brilliant. I thought he definitely dropped off thereafter, but it was a contribution which was, you know, given the state of the midfield. Because I think was it you that said everyone bar Walsh and Ed Kerno had played VFL within the last month, who were named in the Carlton midfield. Correct. Being you know, Kennedy, Dow, Nunes, Cottrell, Petresky, Seed, and Fisher. These guys. So, you know, the fact that our midfield held its own. And you could arguably say one on the day. It's just a massive effort from everyone. Yep. And yeah, you mentioned Dow. He had the nine in the first quarter. He had a really good day. A really good. I mean, his first quarter was brilliant. He obviously dropped off dropped off after it. But yeah, as you said, um, clear contributor on the day. Now, another one who we spoke about last week and we were really demanding more from him was Jack Martin. And I think today we got more from him. He had the 18, he had he kicked a goal. Um, something which really stood out to me was his marking ability at 11 marks, yeah. five tackles. This was, you know, this is the type of player that we paid for. Yep. And this had to happen because, you know, he was great last year, Martin. He was super reliable. He was a really good option through the middle. He's clean. And his last five or six weeks have been dreadful. As in, there's no sugarcoating it. It's been dreadful. Um, but he was, he was great. He, he needed that. He needed that because, you know, you know, I was of the opinion. He pro- his form probably warranted him being omitted. And I put the poll out during the week and 78% of people agreed with me that they thought Honey was more, you know, people wanted to see Honey more than Martin. Um, but, you know, M- Martin needed that. And they're the type, that's the lift, you know, that's the output we needed from these guys that aren't, you know, in our top tier of players, guys like Jack Martin, your second tier players having big, big days. And at the end of the day, you know, these guys separated themselves from, you know, Collingwood's second tier players, even, you know, being like a Dugowie or a side bottom or a crisp, you know, these guys, that's where we got on top. It certainly is. It certainly is. Now we mentioned that Cripps was out with uh, injury and obviously Sam Doherty's out as well. So Jacob Wiedering captained the side today. And he didn't start the match very well, Wiedering, I thought. But he worked into it nicely. And eventually in that second half, he got right on top. What did you think of his performance? Yeah, no, I thought Majacek was definitely on top early, um, which was very, it was uncharacteristic to see Wiedering, I guess, you know, repeatedly, you know, lost or, you know, because or, you know, not tracking with Majacek as well as he usually does. Um, and that's probably because, you know, you know, we weren't going as well early on and the entries coming in for Collingwood were just super direct and straight down the middle. It was impossible to defend. But Wiedering worked his way nicely. First game as club captain as well. 
Um, you know, it's, it's very hard to say a bad word about Weedering, but he definitely, you know, recovered and worked his way into the game. Now, it was looking grim early because we had a really, really disappointing first quarter. We went into the first change with Saad and Nunes both, you know, under injury cloud. Saad with that right ankle and Nunes with what looked like a back injury. Um, how important do you think they were as the match went on? I mean, I don't think either of them were necessarily among our best players on the day, but what, what did you think of their contribution? Well, once again, Saad knows when to lift. Saad knows when to go. He's like, you know, his last quarter was really good as well, but it definitely was a bit more of a quiet game from Saad and Nunes. Like, you know, I, Nunes had good moments as well. You know, he wasn't he wasn't great. He didn't get as much of the ball as what he's you know he usually does, but he still had some really good moments, Nunes. But um, yeah, they were both probably a little bit down on their usual output. Yep. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I want to ask about Eddie. Because yeah. I, I thought, so he's kicked two goals, which were both beautiful. But I thought his most impressive moment of the day was that evasive, you know, that left foot bullet pass inside yeah. forward 50 to hit up Jack Martin, which was yeah. firstly unselfish because no one would have blamed him if he went for goal. But it was also just the most incredible vision. What did you think of uh, Eddie today? And I, I thought I thought he was fabulous. He had the one blemish where he didn't take the shot and tried to dish it off when he was 40 out from goal and missed the target. But otherwise, I thought Betts was fabulous. He's just been making things happen. He's consistently hitting the scoreboard. He's just, you say, you've got to sit back and laugh at how well Betts is playing. You actually do. <laughs> Would you go as far as saying that he has put himself back up there among, you know, the better small forwards in the competition? Um, I probably wouldn't say he's in like the top tier because like I'm not I don't I don't think he's a chance for the Australian forty or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is he's now kicked twenty. He's going to end with a thirty plus goal season. Um, and we're actually seven and eight when Betts plays this year. So the two games he lost, he missed, we lost. So we're seven and eight with Betts in the team. We just look better going forward when Betts is around the footy. Mm. Um, he's just still so dangerous. And the fact of the matter is. If you've got a player in your side who would actually give the opposition genuine headaches in the lead up to a game, then how can you let him go? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. He, he still gives teams headaches and he's just amazing to watch. It's great to have him back. He's had a better 2021 than 2020. There's no doubt about that. I just think when a guy like that, because momentum's a big thing in footy and you know, imagine him heading into a preseason with 35 goals under his belt. And I guess we saw in the documentary how psychologically impacting the game is at you know his age but the confidence that would give someone like that knowing that he's still so capable at the level is just massive yeah uh, like you know it's so exciting watching eddie and yeah he was brilliant again he really was he's just i don't know it's just the it's just the fact that he just still makes things happen he just keeps you on his on your toes i think you've summed that up really nicely um I want to get to. I want to bring back a segment um, shortly, which was the three, the three thumbs up and the three yeah. thumbs downs. But before we get to that, there's two players I want to touch on. Actually, three. Um, the first one being H, because he kicked four massive goals, and it, it was just so good. 
H, he's now how many goals has he had in the Coleman? Is it twelve? Oh, I'll put it to you this way: he's got it. If he stays on the park, he's got it. Um, I think it's it's eleven or twelve. He's up to fifty-two, which coming into the season, his most goals in a se- his highest goal tally in the season was twenty-six. So he's already doubled his best ever return in the season. He's probably going to end with around sixty-five to seventy goals this year. He and he had a dirty day, but you know he's the t- you know, and this is where good players separate themselves. You know, you can go into three quarter time with no score on the board, six or seven kicks for the day, but still own the game and you know leave your footprint on the game, and that's what he did, and that's the development of Harry Mackay right there. That's yeah. where it is. For Harry Mackay to have barely had a touch, for his team to be going into three-quarter time eight points down, and for him to say, okay, I'm checking in, and to kick four goals, and three of them were on the were on the side, on the wrong side for a left footer, and he flush, he was flushing drop punts, yeah. which haven't been his go the last few weeks. So he was nailing big set shots, H. He was he's just a I love him. I, I get so excited when he's leading at the ball. He's just as in, you know, we spoke about Walsh. Walsh is, you know, CV rising. This guy's going to be the Coleman medalist and he's going to be an All-Australian full forward this year. Yeah, it's 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 just amazing development. That's what it is. And, I mean, we were probably expecting progression from some of our other players that we may not have had, but H has certainly delivered this year and he's the first Carlton player since Andrew Walker in 2011 to uh, kick 50 goals in a season. So it's been a 10-year drought. It's finally broken. We've had some very uh, funny leading goal kickers over the years in Andreas Everett and Matty Ride and uh, who, who are some others, Bolt, over the last 10 years that have led the goal kicking? Chuck and Levi Casbolt. <laughs> yeah, no, we've had a couple of uh, funny ones, but H, you know, H has certainly uh, asserted his authority at the Carlton Football Club the other two I want to quickly touch on, Liam Stockard. It's why, also why 2020 is such a shame, the fact that we've we've got three superior high-end talents that are probably going to feature in the All-Australian team, yet we still are where we are. Yeah. But I, I guess that's, that's been that's the tale. That, hasn't that been the tale of our year? Like, we've spoken about that all year. Like, how have we got... How have we got an All-Australian on each line, but we are where we are? I guess that's been our question the whole year. Because we just haven't had as much lift from players that needed to lift as we anticipated, I guess. Um, you know, and we're seven and ten, which is how we finished last year. So right now, we are where we were last year, and the next five weeks is an opportunity to win four of your last five and end the season on a massive note. And I doubt it's going to end in finals. I'm pretty certain it won't end in finals, but. You know, they now need to play for themselves here and momentum going into next year because we could make this season, if you get to 11 and 11, it's a massive step up from 7 and 10. Yeah. It's it's massive. It certainly is. Uh, Liam Stocker kicked a big goal, a swooping goal from 50 metres out. And I think... forgot about that goal. Yeah. This was another step forward in his progression. He had 17 disposals at 82% efficiency. Uh, the four score involvements from the back line, he took four marks, a couple of tackles, six rebound 50s, three inside 50s, a clearance. I, I think Stock is really coming along, isn't he? 
I'm very no no. We're big fans of Liam Stocky here. He's just he gets the basics right. That's what I like. He's a no. He's, he's not really. He's just a no frills footballer. He just you know he's probably not the bloke that's going to win games off his own boot. But he's the type of guy. There's a lot of dare I say. There's a lot of Luke Hodge about him. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of Hodge, and I, I see it. And, you know, Stocker, and I compared him to Heath Scotland the other week, but I just think he's that rebounding, I, I think rebounding defense is where it's at for him. I don't love him being isolated, as you know. He just gets the basics right, and you feel like he's going to be that guy in big games where he's going to be the one to put his body on the line for a big smother or a big shepherd, as we saw on Check. He's just, at the end of the game, he's just... He's he just he's just a guy that plays for the team, and it's you know he he's playing beyond his years a little bit at the moment. Stocker, as funny as that is to say, he's just a really mature footballer, and yeah, he's he's had a massive in. We needed and then we needed a lift from guys like that this year, and you know he's going to have a big twenty twenty two. Hopefully, this is where. We need guys to keep going on an upwards trajectory, you know, guys like Stocker. But, you know, he gets me really excited. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And then the last player I just want to touch on before our segment is Liam Jones because I actually think he's one who hasn't really been spoken about when we talk about today's game. But I think his third quarter was almost – I think he played a massive part in shifting the momentum because – he took a lot of intercept marks and had a lot of intercept spoils in that third and even the fourth quarter. And I, I just think Jonesy today was, you know, back to back to his best almost in that second half. Yeah. I feel like the whole defensive group struggled a bit early on because maybe because the midfield was letting him walk out. It's probably maybe Grundy's dominance just gave their midfield first access, which just put too much pressure on the back line. But you know you're going well and Jones can set up so easily. And I actually saw on that podcast that Gibbons and Fisher do during the week that they had Jones and Wiedering on it. And they referred to Jones and Wiedering as joint best and fairest in 2020 because they know the relationship that Jones and Wiedering have. Like, you know, Wiedering's probably not as good without Jones and vice versa. They just complement each other so well. You know, it's such a good one-two punch down back. And and that's how highly he, he's rated it. And all Cullen fans rate Liam Jones. You know, defensively, he's kicking sometimes a heart attack. But, you know, Jones is just so safe in the air. He's, yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. I agree. Bolt, let's move on to a bit of a segment here. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Let's start with the thumbs up. We'll continue with this uh, positive chat about today's game. It doesn't happen often. Well, you know, it's hard to get it's, – it's not hard, but it's rare to get only positive uh, chat from you. Now, give us some positive points from the game today that we haven't really touched on yet. Some positive points from the game. That we, well, I think the, the main thing for me, I was so worried about it all week, as in as soon as I saw the team sheet and that Cripps wasn't playing. But the, And, you know, since Robert Harvey's taken over, Collingwood's been a really possession-based team. And they've been a team that's tried to control the ball. But the fact we went in and smashed them in clearances, we had 14 more clearances, five more center stoppage clearances. That's just us taking the game um, at a point. That's just us winning the game 
at a point where it's a 50-50. So it doesn't even give Collingwood the chance to control the ball in the game. Yeah. And it's, it's like center clearances are almost the most important stat in football because it's giving you first use of the ball and it means the game's on your terms for that time. And it was one-way traffic in the fourth quarter. Yep, yep. Even towards the end of the third, you know, you could see we're getting on top. And I think for me, the fact that, you know, on paper, you wouldn't take our midfield any day before the Collingwood one. And we absolutely pants. I mean, we've lost so many games out of the middle this year and we had our best clearance, you know, player not playing. It was just, I almost feel like a proud father. It was just, I, I completely doubted them. I was laughing all weekend about the state of the Carlton midfield this week. And they showed me they were brilliant. They really were as a group. I'll give my first positive. Um, now, for those who tuned in, they would have heard in our preseason, uh, in our season preview show with Paul Barbaza, we spoke about the fact that we need to be getting an extra 10% from our second tier players and not just the midfielders, but the players all around the ground. And I think today, if you look at the list of Carlton players, you know, we had, I think, Oes, Dow, you know, even Petrovsky Seedon at moments, um, Betts, Stocker, Kennedy, you know, our second tier players, I think really led the way. Um, and they had no, I mean, we had no choice. They had to do that if we were going to win. And I think they did. And I think today was finally that day where we saw we got that extra 10%, even more than 10%. We got a lot more from our second tier players and they really, you know, delivered the win today. So that was my positive. Yeah. Massive, massive. Give us another positive. If you've got one. Another positive. Jesus Christ. You're asking a lot from me this week. Well, thumbs Um, up. Thumbs up. No, no, I know. I know. I just haven't done this many thumbs up in a long time. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm static Zeus. Um, I don't, I didn't necessarily. No, I'll give you a thumbs down. So I didn't have a, th- I had a thumbs down re- waiting to go. Okay, to be fair, the whole podcast so far has been a big thumbs up. So it's fair. We can do it. We can do a thumbs down now. So it's. I, I'm only going to touch on one moment here in isolation. But the same bloke did it last week. When the Ruckman has the ball on the halfback flank, I think now's the time where he has to do everyone the favour and kick it long down the line. Because De Conning's turnover in the third quarter, I can't even remember who he stabbed. It ended in the Bianco goal, I think. It went straight to Bianco. I think it was Bianco. No, it was Bianco. It was. The, you're the Ruckman. Long down the line, unless it's the safest kick of all time. And look, he did respond because he kicked the very next goal of the game through a beautiful Jack Martin centering pass to him 20 out from goal. But it's twice now, Tommy. It's twice. The couch copped it. I thought the windows were going to break because it was a big moment in the game. We were coming and it took them back out by two and a half goals. Just please don't. I, I can't handle errors like that. <laughs> it's just, it's happened to him on the same halfback flank two weeks in a row. And it's just a killer. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm going to go. Uh, it's hard to deliver a thumbs down after that, but I, I'm going to say, I think you know, I, you knew I was always going to find one. 
No, that, that's fair. That's fair. Well, the segment is thumbs up, thumbs down. So you got to do both. Even on the really good weeks, you've still got to, you know, deliver a bit of constructive criticism. And I think our first half today, um, just in general as a whole, was a bit of, was a big thumbs down. Uh, at halftime, I was flat. Shocking. I was flat. I, I could not believe for the life of me that we were 10 points down. It felt like we were eight goals down. Um, t- to be honest, I was, I looked at the score and I, I just thought, what, like, how are we only 10 points down? Um, I just thought, you know, we were slammed out of the middle. We were slammed in defense. Uh, Henry was kicking. Henry had a bag at, at half time, which, which was just ridiculous. Um, but I want to specifically say the, a, a, a major part of the thumbs down was Adam Saad's running I, I thought he looked injured and I didn't I just I, as, as stiff as it probably is to say I just thought they should have subbed him off I thought you know what he's clearly he couldn't you know we we know how good Adam Saad is like we've we've both got him in our top five in the BNF maybe even top three um anyways we know how good he is and I was watching and I was just thinking he's actually it's actually killing us because there were moments where he was obviously trying he's one of those players who no matter what is going to give his absolute all but in the same breath was being beaten on a few occasions. I think yeah. you said, I think you said Henry was his opponent and Henry was kicking goals. And he was definitely his opponent for a bit. It was kind of him and Newman a little bit. Yeah, and I think Saad, there were a couple of moments where Saad was busting his gut but just couldn't he just couldn't keep up. He was clearly hampered by that ankle injury. And I just said at the time, like just sub him off. It's not worth it's not worth risking him long term. You know, he got Fogarty, just bring him on. But he recovered, had a really good last quarter, and I was proven wrong, but that's probably my thumbs down. It was just the first half from the whole team, but in particular, I thought, thought Sadi's first half was down on what we'd expect from him. It, the, the ball movement going forward was so bad in the first half, and that's because Collingwood was so on top, so they would just dominate possession. And what it would naturally do was it just sucked so many plays up the ground that when we got the ball, all system ahead of the footy was, you know, an absolute pigsty. And it just meant entries were terrible, as in there was just no care with the footy. And do you want to know why we were so close at halftime? Yeah. Because our the opposition are rubbish. They are absolutely rubbish. Collingwood. Mm. That is why we're so close at halftime because they are horrible. And, and I'm happy to say it again for our listeners. Collingwood are horrible. <laughs> Mate, inject that into my ears. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, and I just want to continue on with that point that I was making. So I thought Saad was a little bit disappointing first half. And I actually thought Williams had a dreadful first half as well. He did. A lot of, I think Collingwood's first two goals were, were straight through Williams. Yep. And it was giving me the shits. I was just okay. thinking, I, I just, my thing is with defenders, I don't mind attacking the ball like Williams was attacking the ball. But if you're going to leave your direct opponent free out the back inside 50, you can't miss the ball. You have to get the ball. If you're going to leave your opponent for the ball, you can't miss it because then it's just going to okay. result in a goal. And he missed it. Elliot kicked the first goal. Anyways, he he was really down in the first half. But what I will say 
is in that final quarter, it was actually Williams and Saad together through the middle who almost, you know, they almost won us the game. I mean, I think Williams in the middle of the ground, he would have taken at least five intercept marks today, just just in the centre square. Yeah. So I think yeah. I would, I'll turn... I want to turn a thumbs up into a thumbs down. Uh, sorry, a thumbs down into a thumbs up because, yeah, Williams in the middle of the ground was really important, specifically in that second half. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we paid for when we bring in Williams and Saad. And I think today was probably the first time all year where those two actually worked so well together and had so many score involvements, especially in that last quarter. Yeah, no, that's fair. I did think he struggled in the first quarter as well, Williams. Once again, also kicked a massive goal in the third quarter. It was a 50, but I wasn't just... I found it hard to watch some set shots today, and that was one of them. He had to kick it. What did you think of Plowman? I don't know, mate. I, I oh. Plowman is one who just splits the supporter base straight down the guts, and... You know, I think today there was, you know, there wasn't much positive feedback surrounding his game. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. I wasn't a fan of Plowman today. And I, I don't really have an opinion on him overall. I just judge him off games. Like sometimes he's, you know, really reliable. Sometimes he's a mess. And I thought today he was just a bit of a mess. And I know, you know, the Collingwood small forwards didn't really get a hold of it to, you know, change the course of the game. But I just felt he struggled a little. You know, you could tell they were still trying to do the round two thing and go straight through Plowman. Mm. Uh, yeah, I definitely thought he was the weakest in the defensive group for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's fair. That's fair. But let's move on to our Twitter questions. Uh, yeah. They're back this week again. Uh, let's read them out. So the first one has come in from Clint Bolton. And he said, what do you think about... Oh, true, we haven't addressed Charlie. Clint, thank you. Thank you for bringing Charlie Kernow up, Clint. He says, what do you think about the argument that Charlie should not play seniors this year? Surely the club would not risk him if he's not 100% after his history. A couple of solid games to get his confidence up for 2022 is what he needs. And yes, it was a great win by the boys. They showed team spirit, which we love. Yep. Um, I actually think I spoke on this a few weeks ago that I think for the sake of Charlie Kerno, he almost needs to end the team in the ones just so he can go into next year, having already got a couple games under his belt rather than the whole big buildup of his first game in two and a half years. I think, you know, you're, you're always going to risk getting injured, whether you're training, playing in the twos, playing in the ones, but I think it would just do him and even us the world of good knowing he can get through a couple of games at the back end of the year going into a preseason rather than him entering 2022 still under this one big unknown cloud. So I'd still be, I'd still be pretty keen to get him in the team in a month's time. Yeah, absolutely. And just for what it's worth, he played, I think 60 to 70 minutes today. Um, I think it was Carlton, Melbourne, Hawthorne, and was it North who played? Was it know, a lightning premiership? Yeah, just a bunch of scratch matches against each other. Um, and yeah, Charlie, he came out successful, un, you know, uh, no injuries, which is good. And uh, yeah, cannot wait to see him back. But Clint, thanks for bringing that up. And yeah, for what it's worth, I also think he should definitely 
quite in the seniors this year. You're right. You just need, we just need a game. We just need get the monkey off the back, take the pressure off him. Because you know yeah, the worst, yeah. the worst thing for him could be going into next year with all eyes on him. You know, all the pressure on him. There's a big difference between round 23 against GWS at Marvel and Richmond first game of the season at the MCG. Yeah, yeah, there's a massive difference. You're right. You're right. Um, John Gauchi said, do you think Mick McGuan still thinks Collingwood's list is better than ours considering they lost to our reserves team? Um, yeah. Well, well, I think it just showed our top-end talent trumps theirs because our big dogs, you know, turned up and, you know, we end up winning the game by five goals. I think Collingwood, look, we've been there before. They've got a bit of a dark road coming, but they'll build. They've got some good players to build it around. Yep. Andrew Malici says, it's more of a comment, but I think it's one of the best performances all year, at least the last quarter. Considering our injury lists and the fact that we would normally drop games like that, it shows a lot for the future, and I think we're on the right track. Look, it, it was a great win. It was a great win. I hated the first half. I hated it. The last quarter was brilliant because it never happened. Six goals to zero in our favour never happens. I still would love, and we probably won't get it this year, but I'd love a big scalp. And I know that was a big win, just in the fact, in terms of the fact it was Collingwood. We were 20 points down. We had to really fight to hang in there, and we came through. It was a great win. Yeah. Does it make me think we're on the right track in terms of premiership building? Probably doesn't sling my opinion on that. But in terms of the win in isolation, it was just a great gutsy win. And I love wins with character because – We've had some bland wins this year, and that was just great. It really would have been great to be there because, Jesus, I would have given it to some people. <laughs> oh, I love that. Myers Blues, he says, not so much of a question, more a statement, but we need our small and medium forwards to be able to have the ability to kick the ball more than 40 metres, missing so many chances with guys who can't kick a goal from 45 to 50 metres out is ridiculous. Yeah. It's not something I've necessarily noticed. I guess we touched on Betts not wanting to take that shot from about 45 out in the third quarter. But it's, I don't know, it's something I've never really know, noticed. I think um, I've noticed it. I think Owie's missed one today as well, didn't make the No, he def- no he, they definitely missed. But I th- I, they've all got the distance in them. But Owie's has missed a couple of those, you know, easy set shots in the last few weeks. Um, yeah, like, everyone's got to get better at that. And that's competition-wide. Uh. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, John Ryan wants to know, was this our best win of the season? All up, it wasn't perfect. We effed up the first half, but dug deep for a must-win game. For Surge against the Pies, pulled out the goods when it mattered. Um, was it our best win of the year? It's definitely on the podium. In terms of the narrative around it and who we were playing and just, I guess, the way we did it, it was, probably, it was probably one of the most satisfying and relieving wins. I'm a big fan of the Essendon win in round seven. I was a big fan of that. But no, nah, today was awesome as well. Today was great. I think it's just a, a win the club needed. It's just a win the club needed. We've got, you know, a few games coming up where we back ourselves to win, you know, all of them really. So it was just massive. John S. says, is there anything that Sam Walsh can't do as a midfielder? He's the eighth natural wonder of the world. I am biased and I do not care. <laughs> no, no. 
it doesn't matter who you go for. It's very hard to disagree with that. There's one thing he can't do. There's one thing he can't do, and that's leave the Carlton Football Club at any point of his career. Mm-hmm. He, he is, oh, I could talk about him all day. I've watched that goal like 10 times already. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. Sammy Walsh, he's just, oh, I don't know. Words don't even do it justice. They really don't. They really don't with him. Anthony Villela says, uh, we are still Harry or busy up forward. Do we need to trade in another mature KPP up front? Um, well, I guess it depends how much faith they have in Charlie Kerno and Mitch McGovern. Mm. So if the club thinks that, you know, let's say Kerno's in that team. Kerno will be in that team. But let's see, if the club doesn't think Mitch McGovern is going to play regularly over, you know, over the next few years, then maybe we are another KPP short up forward because we are short. Um, we are short, but, you know, H is such a focal point that he can bring the ball, get, he can bring the ball down and make Owies and bets involved. But, you know, I would love to see more targets for sure. So, yeah, we probably, look, it depends how the club see McGovern. That's how I'll answer that. Michael Cerevolo says, Liam Stocker, I know you guys like him in the back line, but do you think he should at least have a real crack in the midfield next year? He looks good today. I'd still like another couple of I, Look, You almost feel like Stocker should be going down. I know, I re, you know, when he's in the back line, he really reminds me of Hodge just in terms of his attitude and, you know, some of the attributes he's got. I'd still be pretty keen for him to, to almost nail his game in the back line before he makes the Callum Mills transition into the midfield. Yep, no, I agree. Lou Dave says, not enough has been made of our increased defensive effort and structure. 73, 64, 70 and 62 are the last months of scores against. What do you put it down to? Well, we said last week that it looked like we had an intent from the start of the game to just minimise the scoring against Geelong, which, you know, they didn't score a lot of goals, but we just looked, you know, we it, it ended up drying ourselves up a little bit. But, you know, the other three games <clears throat> have been against, you know, bottom eight, nine sides, and we've won all three, which has been great. But, uh, you know, we're, we've got very good defenders. It's always been that, you know, the inability for the midfield to hold things up in the middle of the ground to allow our defenders to excel. That's where, you know, the, the fault's been, you know, for a long time. So you've got to put it down to just an increase in output from a few midfielders. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think I agree with that. I think I agree. And Bolt, I spoke off air about it, but I think Matt Kennedy, his, the defensive side of his game has improved a lot. And I think we've seen a bit of a return of these slow midfield bulls this year. I mean, you know, Matt Kennedy, if you look around the competition, Braden Fiorini's putting together a really good month for the Gold Coast. Luke Dunstan for St Kilda. Do you think maybe the games, you know, changed a little bit as well in the last, you know, this year, but more specifically the second half of the year where these slower players are actually starting to perform a lot better? Well, given, I guess, you know, only 75 interchanges a game, the longer quarters compared to last year, 
probably suits the more endurance players. You've even seen Angus Brayshaw on a wing at Melbourne being really, really good. Um, so it probably does suit them a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, he's been great. He's been great. Uh, the next one coming through from Josh Polger and how many years do we give Kennedy? Yep. No, that's, we, we got to give the love to Kennedy. He's been brilliant. Um, how many years do we give him? Well, yeah, I get, well, this, but let's talk about it. How, what do we do here? Do we, uh, do we upgrade him to the senior list or do we just give him another one year rookie contract? I mean, I don't think you give out two year rookie contracts, do you? I'm not sure the intricacies. I don't see why you would. For me, I don't mind keeping him on his toes and going one year again. See, I say, see, I don't mind that either, but I actually think, and as you know, crazy as this sounds, I think there's going to be a lot of clubs knocking on his door and, you know, we may, he may actually say to Carlton, well, you know, I've been offered a two to three year deal at this club on the senior list, which. And that's the risk we would run for sure. Yeah. Which then might see us, you know, almost have to upgrade him to the senior list if we want to keep him. Yeah, no, it's an interesting idea. They might give him, yeah, I, he probably would have the ability to do that right now. You know, seek two years at another club if we only wanted to give him the one. And I, you could almost see that happening. I just, but yeah, no, you know, if they if they want to be safe, if, you know, if they're sure they don't want him leaving, then yeah, two years is what they're probably going to have to give. Dom in the Den says, Sam Walsh must be a red hot go at taking Charlie home. Three votes yeah. again today. Yeah, no, he's going to be a very, very big chance on the night. And it's it would be a fun night riding Sam Walsh home. I, I I've got him in the top three at the moment. So Bolt, I was gonna say you you tally every you you watch you watch basically every game, whether it's live, a replay, the highlights, you you're across everything. Where do, and, and you do your own Brownlow votes for every single game. Where do yeah. you have him sitting in yours? How many votes? Where's he, you know, tallied? I've got him third and he's four off the top. He's four votes off the top, but he's polled three votes in the last four weeks. So he's coming. He's going to come home like a steam train. And if we can get some wins in the next five weeks, it could be a very fun night. John Donald say, John Connell sorry, says, can a side have three All-Australians and a Brownlow medalist and miss the finals? Well, I guess you can chuck in a Coleman medalist there as well. Well, quite possibly. <laughs> You're ever going to see it. It's this year. Um, Jim Fiddler says, loved Stocker's hip and shoulder in the last quarter. More of that, please. Also, his long-range goal was impressive. Yep. I love the hit on Maya check. I loved it. Um, you know, Stocker, he just... He's a good boy. <laughs> he's he's a good lad. I like him. Tim W says, would you support Ed Kerno playing his 200th this week? Make it a big week for a guy who has given his all and allow him to go out gracefully. This would then allow Stocker to take over his mantle or am I retiring him too early? I can't see him retiring if he had a say in it. I don't reckon the club will give him the tap on the shoulder. I know he's been, you know, very iffy in a couple of games, Kerno, but that one would surprise me if he was given the tap on the shoulder at the end of 2021. But it's a great effort, you know, off the rookie list to go play 200 games. 
He's had multiple, you know, podiums in the best and fairest in dark years, albeit. But no, it's definitely it's definitely a milestone the club will get around. And he was also was he on he was on Adelaide's list. Yep. Was that the only list he was on? I think he went from Adelaide to the Boxville yeah. Hawks. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe I, I, he was definitely on Adelaide's rookie list and never played. And then yeah, he's been a regular really since he came in 2011. Yep. Yep. Uh, and this one's from Bill Grimshaw. Now he went, he said, "Can you please get Paul Barbaza on to talk about the Silvani family, Carlton, and the Italian community?" Now, Bill, Baz isn't on this week, but we're going to speak to him midweek, and we'll see if he's available to join us next week because uh, it's a good shout, and I think definitely it would be nice to get Baz back on the show to uh, give a little tribute to uh, Serge, the Silvani family, and. Yeah, the Italian community, especially after they won the Euros, I think Baz would be a very happy man. Um, One more that we've got here, and this is an interesting one. So we haven't touched on Zach Fisher yet. Picto Bento says he's been wasted in the forward line, finally got to run through the guts for part of the game, and he showed us his class and his much-needed run. I'd love to see him rotated through there more. First game back after injury as well. I thought he was solid. Yeah, I just think Fisher, he definitely had an impact attending center stoppages in the last quarter. I just think Fisher doesn't, on on a complete basis, I just don't think he does enough. I don't. I, I just think he's been too much of a bits and pieces player for the last two and a half years. I just don't think he can like he's definitely good at certain things but he just hasn't been able to put it all together yet that's where i think that's i think fisher's downfall he just i don't think he's understood like what it takes for him to play his best football and it's very frustrating and i, I just don't think he's advanced his game over the last two and a half years so that's my issue with fisher so my opinion on fisher is that i actually agree with this i i think his foot, his best football is definitely played in the middle. You know, when he arrived at the club, his first few years, he was really good on the wing and playing inside. Is there a spot for him there, Bolt? I mean, you know, is he, are we maybe not utilizing him as best as we could? We're maybe not. And we know we almost forced him to play that small forward role last year. And we probably don't need that at the moment with always, but yeah, he, he's definitely better when he's more on the ball, but I don't know. He's a tough one. He's a really tough one. Fisher. He's he's the ideal player to have in your second rotation, but I just don't think, I don't know. As in, you almost want him to take, you know, I I know this is a big, this is a really good player. I'm about to say, but you know, you almost want him to go, you know, from the forward line to the midfield, Ala Shea Bolton. Okay, I, I I don't I don't mind that I don't mind that from you. Um, yeah, it's not it's not the worst call. Um, because what I was going to say was, I think in order to play inside mid, he needs to put on a lot of size. But then I was going to say, you know, the players who we've seen, you know, his with his frame really succeed have actually been, you know, really good. And Shea Bolton is one of those. So possibly that is the type of rise we are looking for with him. 
Um, but do, yeah. do we actually think we're going to be able to get a rise where he's a, you know, a reliable seasoned midfielder or, you know, high half forward that can play on the ball? I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm really not sure. I'm more doubtful that he's going to be able to get to that, you know, regular midfielder rather than just being that bits and pieces crafty half forward flanker. Mm, that's a fair call. That's a fair call. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered everything. We, I think we've touched it on it all, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. It was, a, it was just a great win. We needed it. Just quickly, quickly. There's one or two, just very two small ones. Petrovsky Seedon. Yep. What did you think of his performance today? And uh, was it anything new or was it the same that we've been seeing over the last month? Same, same. Cottrell. <sighs> Thoughts? <laughs> well, yeah, he had, he had more of the football than we've seen him get. He had the 18. So he got his hands yeah. on it a little bit more. Thoughts on his performance? He'd be the guy that makes way for Crips, in my opinion. Uh, well, my very last point was going to be, what are the changes for next week if you're the coach? Um, I think Crips for Cottrell. And that's it? Yep. Williamson survives? Oh, yep. Just. I actually thought Williamson was okay today. He was better. Oh, he nearly kicked a really nice goal. He was better, but he is... He's obviously still on the edge, but yeah, for me, I think we can keep it as simple as Crips for Cottrell. I like that, and I agree. Bolt, let's cap it off there on a high. It's been a nice show. Nice to get a win and actually, you know, be much more positive because I think last week, you know, we were both just very deflated. Uh, Listen back to the show, I thought, gee, we we sounded half dead, but uh, no, it's good to be back. What a week it was for the football club to get a much-needed win. A very important win and a lovely tribute to the great Serge Silvani Bolt. Thank you very much for joining me again. We'll do it all again next week. Blue Baggers, another week in the books. Against the famous all-